Zechariah chapter 14, but stop by Hebrews chapter 1 for a couple verses there. It's amazing how many commentators have commented on the book of Zechariah, particularly this 14th chapter, and have dealt with it as its est- it's end times prophecy. It uh, has some eschatology in it. And uh, I, I don't know, maybe every book in the Bible has some end times statements. Christ is coming again, we know that. But turn with me, if you would, to the book of Hebrews chapter 1. I'd like to read the first two verses of that, because uh, in verse 2 it shares with us something about the last days. God, who at sundry times and diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, those were the Lord's prophets, the ones he called, and they had the same gospel that we have the privilege of looking at today. And it tells us in verse 2, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. So, we're not going to get real carried away with last days. We're going to get looking at the uh, book of Zechariah from a standpoint of God's uh, effectual grace, God's effectual work, God's dealing with his people, God's dealing with those that are not his people. So, there it tells us in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he hath made the worlds. So, the writer of the book of Hebrews, truly the Holy Spirit, gave these words to uh, writer Paul or others. But anyway, the Holy Spirit is the true author of this book, and we find those words in these last days. All right, join me back in the book of Zechariah, chapter 14, and we'd like to read a few verses over there tonight and and do uh, some study about some of them. In the book of Zechariah, chapter 14, I'd like to begin reading with verse 6, and I'd like to read down through verse 8. Now, we probably won't have time to deal with verse 8. We'll look at that at another time, but it is just so full of the gospel. It just, it's, it's just bursting over. It's a uh, it's like a wineskin, ready to burst. And uh, here we have that. But let's read here in verse 6. Now, there's a, a lot of discussion in trans, by translators about this verse of Scripture. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark. Verse 7. But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord. So there's a day that's going to be known to the Lord. He has full knowledge of it. We may get to see bits and pieces of it, but it is the Lord's day, and it is uh, uh, something he he has absolute control over. Verse 7 again, But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, But it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. Now we notice that, uh, well, today's the shortest day of 2022. And when it was evening, here it was not light. But there's a statement made here that at evening it shall be light. And we'd like to look at that a little bit uh, tonight 
because in the work of the Lord, in the ministry of Christ, we find that there are so many times that our logic disagrees with the logic that we find in Scripture. We have human logic, and Lord be uh, pleased to give us some spiritual knowledge, but God is going to work all things after the counsel of His own will, and He will do according to His purpose. He has a purpose in all things, and He knows the end from the beginning. So when we look at a verse like this, that there's going to be evening time, it shall be light, God has a purpose in bringing that to our attention. Now, in verse 6, we have the word light, and in verse 7, we have the word light. That In verse 6, the, that the light shall not be clear nor dark. It, uh, there's something about that light that is not clear to us, and I look, we're going to look at that. It's not clear to us in an unconverted state. We, we're like the man born blind in our unconverted state. We just cannot see the light. Now, uh, some people that are blind can see some light. Many times they can't see much else, but there's some light they can see. Well, when it comes to spiritual things, by nature, we can't see any of the truth that is in the gospel until it's revealed to us. And then it goes on here in verse 8. Now, verse 8 is just so full, too. It's just uh, bursting forth with good things. And it shall be in that day that living waters... Now, we don't have a lot of uh, misunderstanding about that. That day there shall be living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, from the Lord, from the church. This is the preaching of the gospel. Half of them towards the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea. In summer and in winter shall it be. It's always going to be the same. Now, we find that true about Old Testament, New Testament. We find that they had the gospel preached unto them in the Old Testament as well as unto us. And those many that were in the book of Numbers or in the book of Exodus or in the book of Deuteronomy, they did not have the gospel living to them because they believed not. That's the natural thing to do. And belief is a gift of God. So let's look at this uh, two verses of Scripture in particular, verses 6 and 7 tonight. And one of them talks about light shall not be clear nor dark. Many ways that translators have dealt with that. And then the other verse of Scripture, verse 7 here, and it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord. Not day, nor night, but it shall come to pass that evening time it shall be light. Now, we'd like to look at, uh, well, last week we looked at earth, that earthquake, that word earthquake found there in the book of Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 5. And we find out that that's a mysterious thing, but it demonstrates God's awesome power. And it demonstrates how small we are when it comes to an earthquake. God reveals to us, even through those great acts of God, how, how infinite He is, how minute we are. And we have no control over that. And we're thankful that when God reveals something to us, it's of God and it's not of our own creation. Well, in this, this evening, we'd like to look at this subject of a look at light. Now, there's much said in the Bible about light, but I want to direct your attention back to the book of Genesis and start right there in the book of Genesis. Out of this, God demonstrates that spiritual light is in his hands. And when it is most expected, why? 
It's often held back. And when it seems impossible, it's given. Man born blind, it just seems impossible that anything could help him, and yet the Lord gave him sight. And uh, uh, we look here and we find that that light is uh, natural light or spiritual light are both given by God. The, The heavens have a light, and God speaks about it, but there was light created before there was a sun or a moon or the stars. So join me, if you would, back in the book of Genesis chapter 1 in this great creation statement by our great God and our Savior, as it's mentioned here in Genesis chapter 1, verses beginning with verse 3. Now, God is in the, in the mode of declaring. God declared, in God said, let's look at that, God declared, let there be light. And we find as the result of God's declaration about let there be light, and there was light. And we look at this from a physical standpoint, we find that all light is as a result of Almighty God, and all spiritual light is also a result of Almighty God. We have no light in ourselves. We have no understanding in ourselves. We're darkened in ourselves. Our mind is darkened. We're unable to see those things that uh, are mentioned in the Scripture. And and so often we turn them around and we want to uh, look at them from a, a human standpoint and we're going to find works so declared in the Word of God until the Lord saves us, reveals Christ to us, and then we find out that we were working from the wrong position, wrong point, that it's not our works, it's His works, and we're just the recipient of it. So God said, let there be light, and there was light. And now in verse 4 of this verse of Scripture, or of this chapter, we find that God saw the light, and that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness He called night, And the evening and the morning were the first day. So God declares here his great work concerning light. It is interesting to find over in the book, and so I want to have you go clear across the Bible to the book of 1 John, if you would. 1 John chapter 1. In the book of 1 John chapter 1, we find this statement about our God. We find this statement that we don't know by nature, but it is revealed to us in Jesus Christ about God. In 1 John chapter 1, and there in verse 5, we find these words about light. God is light. Now this is so true to us when uh, the Lord reveals himself, when the new birth is brought upon us by the Holy Spirit, and we're able to see for the first time in our life. We're able to see the gospel. We're able to see the one the gospel uh, comes from, from the Lord. And we're able to see his word demonstrated throughout the scriptures. That it's not a hodgepodge, but there's so much in this word that God has decreed and declared about the saving of his people and about the savior of his people. And here it says, verse 5, 1 John chapter 1, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Now, we'd say it's enough for Him to say in Him there is no darkness, but He goes on to clarify it 
to make it more firm, no darkness at all. So he's that light. In the beginning, God created the light. And there was uh, another day that the Lord is going to use to create the sun, the moon, and the stars. And he gives names to them and says, one will rule the day and one will rule the night. And yet we find that there was light declared, decreed there by Almighty God before he created those great uh, sources of light. Now our earth depends on those. Our, our, ourselves, we depend on that. Our physical being depends upon the great light of the day. And we find that the, the great light of the night is such a beautiful portrayal of the grace of God. And then we find if we move through the scriptures, this word light is brought out to uh, uh, illustrate how God acts and how God does his business. And it's wonderful to see that he deals with this light. Now, there's going to be a time in everybody's life when they don't have the light. There's going to be a time in everybody's life when they can't even see what light truly is. And then everyone that was given to Christ by the Father and everyone that the Son was going to lay down his life a ransom for and everyone that the Holy Spirit is going to bring into the kingdom through the new birth, every one of those, he has promised to give them light and cause them to see how this beautiful picture of light is brought through the scriptures and then it may be evening but there is going to be light. This is God's way of dealing with his people. It's at the very uh, most threatening time. God brings his light. All right. Turn with me, if you would, over to the book of Exodus. When God was demonstrating his great power to the children of Israel, even while they were in Egypt, in the book of Exodus, it shares a number of times that God made a division. God shared a division between Egypt and between the children of Israel. And he makes it quite known, and it's brought out in the scriptures, that I have a difference here. There are Egyptians, and then there, are, there is Israel. There are those of the world, there is my church. I make a difference for them. And here in the book of Exodus, chapter 10, while they're still in Egypt, and God is using Moses to bring these great plagues upon Egypt to demonstrate his power and to demonstrate there is a difference I have between these folks and these folks. Doth not the potter have power over the clay of one lump to make those vessels of honor and then vessels of dishonor? In as we mentioned, Exodus chapter 10, and there in verse 23, this wonderful passage of Scripture, it's so uh, illustrative. Uh, Exodus chapter uh, 10, verse 23. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days. Now that's Egypt. That's the Egyptians. They couldn't see. It was a darkness you could feel. But notice the difference that God made when he talks about Israel. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. That's the difference. God makes a difference. He has given light to his children. And he gives his light to his children. All those that are blood-bought. All those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. All of those that he deals with in time. As we read with regard to the Apostle Paul. He said, when it pleased God... 
he turned on the light. We'll read about that in just a moment. So there was light in Israel. Now, another time here in the book of Exodus in chapter 13, chapter 13 and verse 21, as we think about there's a time when there will be no light, it's darkness, and then there's going to be a time when it appears that there's no light, but there is light given. Oh, how glorious is that light that is revealed to his people. They have no light in themselves. Born blind, born deaf, born unable to speak, to speak a word of glory to God. And God, in this great work of grace, causes us to see him, hear him, and then speak about him. Here in the book of Exodus chapter 13 and in verse 21, the scriptures share this about the Lord and light. And it says here, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud. Now, how glorious is that? A pillar of cloud led them by day. But notice this, at night, in darkness, when the sun went down, when there's no way to see, it says here, to lead them in the way, and by night a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. A pillar of cloud to give them light at night, in the darkness. So, even in the evening, we have light. Even when the sun has gone down, we have light. And so it is, we may be going through a great uh, uh, trial or tribulation in our life, and we find out that even in that time, God gives his light. He's, he he uh, instills in us the, his grace. He instills in us, I'll not leave you nor forsake you. He instills in us all the blessings of the light. Now, light is a mystery. Uh, I've read about it. I've read encyclopedias. I've read articles about it. And still, it is such a mystery. The waves of uh, that strike our eyes and we're able to see. You turn on the lights, but these are all artificial. We want true light. We don't want artificial light when it comes to our salvation. We want true light, the light of life, the Lord Jesus. As we move through the scriptures, we find in Psalm 18, talks about God doing something for us in Psalm 18. <coughs> we need something terrible, terribly bad. We are such in such a shape, so blind, so out of it, uh, we can't recognize good or bad. We can't recognize religion from the truth. We, we're just caught up. We're just, and here in the book of Psalm, Psalm 18, the psalmist writes this for us, and we go home and say, Thank you, Lord. We're so thankful that you do this, for thou wilt light my candle. <laughs> this is God doing. We can't do it ourselves. And we know we're really just like a candle. We we start out, we may be 6 inches, 8 inches, 10 inches, but as life goes on, we're burning it down. But that light that we have is from the Lord. Every light, every bit of light, every bit of understanding about the Lord is from the Lord. And so, thou will light my candle, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. So the Lord is opening this up in the darkest of time. It's the Lord that opens that up. The mystery. Now, we find during the ministry of the Lord, often he spoke to his disciples and he shared with them the truth about why he was here. The truth about what must happen to him. The truth of going to Jerusalem. The truth about being arrested. The truth of going on trial. The truth of going out and being crucified outside the city walls. The truth about him giving his life a ransom. 
of truth about his resurrection. And they often went off, even by themselves, and says, I don't understand this. I don't understand that. You know what? After it happened, the Lord revealed all that to them, and they understood. It mentions that several times in Scripture, that after he was raised from the dead, then they understood. You know, even about John, John the Baptist, they wondered about him being an Old Testament prophet, and Jesus shared with them, and they says, oh, he's speaking about John. Well, that's what God does to his people. He reveals the truth to them. He reveals the light to them. And so often, as we find here, he will enlighten my darkness. We have a natural darkness. We're like that day that's mentioned over there in Zechariah chapter 14. It's a day known to the Lord. And it looks dark, but there's going to be light given. Moving again in the Psalms, if you'd turn with me to Psalm 89. In Psalm 89, the scriptures share this about this light that God has given to his people. In Psalm 89 and verse 15, blessed is the people. Psalm 89 verse 15, there is a blessed people, and blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. Now this has... It goes back to those the sound of the trumpet on the on the fiftieth year. It goes back to the joyful sound that we find uh, in the camp. It goes around the joyful sound that's around the temple and the tabernacle at certain times, and yet it gets better for us because around Jesus Christ there is a joyful sound. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. The words of the Lord are a joyful sound to the ears of a believer, and they shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. What a, I'm just going to use the term, what a smile is on the face of the Lord when he looks at his children. He he went through great agony to purchase them. He went through great agony to lay down his life, a ransom for them. And He says there in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 about that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross to have the light of his countenance, the smile of his countenance on the behalf of his children. What does that do for us? It allows us to come boldly, to be accepted in the beloved, allows us to come boldly to the throne of grace. So it's a glorious thing that God does for the church and it's built upon this light that he gives us. Even in darkness, there is light, he says. And then there's a day that there's neither light or dark. We just, it's just unable to see as we should because we can't see through that. Moving again in the Psalms, Psalm 112. This is brought up, Psalm 112, and there in verse uh, uh, verse (coughs) 4, excuse me, verse 4. Upon... Upon the upright there ariseth light. Now, did you notice that? In darkness. There ariseth light in darkness. It just looks like it's so dark, and yet the Lord, even at evening, there is light. It is so contrary to what we know by nature. When the sun goes down, if we're going to have light, we're going to have to have artificial light. And yet the Lord shares here that even in darkness... Unto, upon, unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness, 
He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. This is speaking about our Lord. He has this great grace. He's gracious and full of compassion. And in the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. Thank God that He does not depend on us to make a move to Him because we're darkness, but He brings that light. <clears throat> Last Sunday I heard about a preacher that said that uh, Lazarus had to consent, had to consent to God raising him from the dead. And I thought, there's not a preacher in this world that is any more ignorant than that. And yet, preachers who believe that everything depends upon man to get accomplished believe the same thing. And the Bible teaches us that Lazarus was in darkness. He was dead. He was dead bodily. Now, it's just an illustration of how dead we are spiritually. And when God calls, the light comes on. And that's what happened to Lazarus. is an illustration of God's great work of raising us from the spiritual dead. In the book of Isaiah, we have these words. And this is truly what religion is. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20 if you'll join me there in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20, as we think about the light and the darkness and what God is in command of, He's the one that commands light out of darkness. He's the one that commands light to raise us, allows us to see, to go to the Scriptures and see the Lord. This is His business. This is what He does. And so, here in the book of Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20, it shares this, Woe to them that call good, or excuse me, evil good and good evil that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Now that's just a summation. One verse of Scripture sum up religion. It is so contrary to the truths of the gospel. Everything is contrary. It's turned around backwards. Got the horse behind the cart. We got everything out of kilter. And God is a God of order. God is a God of orderliness. He saves his people in an orderly fashion because he has decreed it from the foundation of the world. He is going to save his people and they're going to agree on this, that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the light that God gives to his people. And in that same uh, book of Isaiah chapter 8, would you join me there in Isaiah chapter 8 as we think about this subject of light? What does it tell us? Here in uh, chapter 8 and verse 20, Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, to the word of God, it is because there is no light in them. So that, that is a darkness beyond comparison. It's darker than that darkness that fell upon Egypt. There was a darkness that you could feel. It was a darkness that there was absolutely no light at all, but there was light in the dwellings of the Israelites. One time Nancy and a couple of our children went down into the, that great cave there in, in Kentucky, and the guy that was the leader, he turned off his light. Now, I'm glad it was a, a, a battery-powered light because we didn't have to wait for him to light it again, but it was it was absolute darkness. There was no light in there whatsoever. Well, that is just a very poor illustration of where we are by nature. And it, 
we find ourselves found in that verse of Scripture because there was no light in them. We speak not according to this word because there's no light in us by nature. We'll, we'll argue about the word of God. We'll fuss over it. We'll make exception for people. We'll say, well, everybody's okay. We're just going to all get to the same place. You know, that is so untrue. That is so untrue. That's not anything that's found in the scriptures. Well, let's move just a little bit further in this look at, uh, at the uh, scriptures about light. And in Isaiah chapter 9, just a next chapter here, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2 says, The people that walked in darkness... I want to find out who that is, because it goes on to say, have seen a great light. He's speaking about us by our nature, walking in darkness, a darkness that we can't even comprehend. We think we're okay, but we cannot see. Whereas that man born blind that the Lord Jesus Christ healed, we, we just have, are incapable of seeing spiritual things. And everything that we think is spiritual, we find out we were incorrect on. We didn't have the right attitude towards. So it says right here, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. What a glorious light. And you know, so often it just almost appears as if it is at evening. There is a blast of light. In the darkest time, the light comes on. We find as we follow this out throughout the scriptures, that there is a great illustration of this found in the book of Acts chapter 9. Now last week we also looked at Acts chapter 9 as we find the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, as we originally know him as, is a great illustration. He is a type. He, in fact, he calls himself that very thing. He is a type of believers that God deals with. He's a type of those that God gives salvation to. And here in the book of Acts, go over there with me to Acts chapter 9 and just another little nugget that we find there in Acts chapter 9 about Saul of Tarsus. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 3, there's something that happens here that is so uh, pictorial about what God does for his people. He says there in Acts chapter 9 and verse 3, and as he journeyed, Saul of Tarsus, he's not going to Damascus to a prayer meeting. He hates those folks. I mean vehemently hates those folks that know anything about Christ, that believe that he's been raised from the dead. He says here, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around him, uh, around about him, a light from heaven. Now, I, I don't think that very many of those other folks even saw anything going on, but this man saw light from heaven. Now, if you think about this, Let's go over to Acts chapter 22 and read about what Saul of Tarsus had to say about this. Over here, it's light shine from heaven. But drop down to Acts chapter 22, and we have him speaking about what he saw. And it tells us here in Acts chapter 22 and verse 6, And it came to pass that as I made my journey, he's talking about it. Now, I remember the old days when, oh, the, the testimony meetings, the bring and brag meetings. And here we have what Saul of Tarsus, now Paul the Apostle, sharing this in this wonderful time before a magistrate. He said, it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus, 
about noon. Now, you know, about noon, that's about the brightest time of the day. Sun shining about the best it could show. And he said here, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. This is greater than the sun. This is greater than a noonday sun. This is greater than the sun about noon. It was a bright day, and yet the Lord, even in that time, shows this Saul of Tarsus that there is a light greater than that light. That's the light we read about in the book of Genesis, let there be light. That has always been the glory of God. He is light, and in him is no darkness at all, and this is who came to Saul of Tarsus. Now, it is no mistake that it was noon. They were walking in the best, lightest part of the day, and Saul of Tarsus, now his name is changed to Paul, the apostle. We know him as that great preacher of righteousness, just as Moses was, just as Noah was, just as David was, just as Abel was, we find this preacher of righteousness going back, and he's not telling what he did. He's not telling what he did to get saved. It just drives me up the wall when people say, I, I, I got saved, when I got saved. Well, Saul of Tarsus didn't say that about himself. Paul, as he mentions it, he says here, And was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light around about me. This light is the glory of God, His righteousness revealed, the person of Christ. And then it goes on to say, as we read there, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? That's brought over in chapter 9 now. Saul, or Paul, is mentioned it here in chapter 22. And why persecutest me? And this man asks, who are you? And the answer is, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. What a statement. The light, the glorious light of heaven is speaking to him. In this glorious light, even at noonday, a light that overshadowed the, the noonday sun. The light that put the sun in second place. The light that put the sun behind. The light that, what a statement is made here about the work of God. That it is, he, he takes second place to nothing. Everything else is put in its right place in the grace of God and in the glory of God. So a great light. In the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, turn there with me as we think about this light of Zechariah. You know, as we go through here and we're in preparation for that very next verse of Scripture, that this rivers of water, rivers of water, rivers of living water, rivers, rivers of living water proceeding out from Jerusalem. That's the the church's mission. That's the church's declaration is to preach Christ and Him crucified, a living Savior. Here in the book of 2 Corinthians, we have this wonderful message mentioned here. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, for God, now it t- takes us right back to Genesis chapter 1 here, but this is in a different light. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. He's in charge of this light. 
He was in charge of that light. Did you notice how selective he was with that light? Uh, That great host of men that were traveling down to Damascus, one man saw that great light from heaven. The rest of them saw the sunshine at noonday. But he saw something else. He saw the glory of Christ. And that is what he does for his people. He is so selective. Is Does not the potter have power over the clay? Does not the creator have power over the light? Does not God have power over the light that he shines out of darkness into our hearts? Notice here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness... He takes all control away from humanity. He takes control of salvation out of the hands of humans. He takes control of the light out of our hands. Here he goes, he says, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What a statement is made here by God through his apostle this Paul, as he is sharing with us what he had been given by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit caused him to write the truths down from the Scriptures. He, God, commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Now Saul of Tarsus could go right back there to that trip he was making down to Damascus and say, there it is. God commanded the light. I had nothing to do with it. He had no interest in that light. He was doing just fine in the light of the noonday. And he was traveling heartily towards Damascus. And he had an intent once he got there to what to do. He was going to arrest believers. But God stopped him in the way. God came to him, arrested him in the way. He brought him to his knees by the great light of the glorious Son of God. And here he is. He's commanded the light to shine. How often he has done that from the very beginning. Every time he's turned the light on, it has been for one specific individual at a time. He isn't shotgun hunting. He is so selective. And he only is going to give the light to those that he bought at the cross. He's only giving the light to those whose names are written down in the Lamb's book of life. And so it is. How glorious this is that they would do this. Back up just a little bit in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Scriptures share this. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds... Of them that believe not. There's a lot of discussion about the God of the world, this world, and you know, you may have your opinion, but I look at this and I see that the worst, the very worst God of the world that blinds people's minds is ourself. We are our own worst enemies. We are fallen creatures of Adam. We have, we're dead in trespasses and sin. We have a God of this world and it's religion. And we're going to carry that out. Everybody in the world is religious. And once God works a work of grace, religion takes its place. It is just phony and we have the true. I don't know how many times I've had a certain religious sect come to my door and they start plabbering away. And I interrupt them. And you know, if you interrupt them, they lose their train of thought and they have to start over. It's kind of like, I I can't start with K and and start the alphabet. I have to go back to A. Well, that's what happens. And I just simply ask this. Do you know what butter is? Or or margarine is? That's what it is. Do you know what margarine is? 
Yeah, yeah. What is margarine? Well, it's fake butter. Well, what's butter? Well, that's the real. And I says, why would I give up the real butter for fake margarine? You know, Christ is the real. Why would I give him up for fake? Well, there's always going to be those who are carrying candles, but he has the light of the glory of God, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. God's going to shine on those he intends to shine on. He doesn't waste his light. He has... He doesn't waste his blood. His blood could cover it all, but it didn't. It covered all of his that he chose in Christ before the foundation of the world. In Ephesians chapter 5, we have this statement about ourselves. Ephesians chapter 5, as we think of darkness and light, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8, this passage of scripture comes to my mind, our minds, as we think about this light. They had light, not in Egypt, but down there among Israel, in their dwelling places. There was light created by Almighty God. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. This light. And even in the evening, there shall be light. At God's appointed time, light will be coming upon all those He intends to save. And here in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. You are sometimes, that's just a statement for everybody that God has ever saved has always began their life in darkness. And then, you are now, are ye light in the Lord. He has created light in us. He has created life in us. And how glorious is that? You know, it's a common thing. We, we just say, why in the world can't they see it? Well, in the book of John, chapter 3, and verse 19, it says, Men love darkness rather than light. By nature, we'll go to the darkness. We'll not come to Christ. We have an aversion to that. There's just a negative pole about that. We just, we just cannot be attracted by that. Everything that God stands for, we stand against. And yet, when the Lord saves us, we are in agreement with God on everything that we find in the Scriptures. All the truth of the Gospel, we are in agreement with. As we look just a little bit further here, we find these wonderful thoughts about the light. You know, in Hebrews chapter 12, would you join me there in Hebrews chapter 12? Hebrews chapter 12, and there in verse 18. Ye, for ye, are not come. Now the Apostle is sharing with us places that we have not come when God saves us. We've been taken away from this place. Now notice the description of this place. Under the law, notice this description. Ye are not come unto the mount that might be, be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto darkness. God doesn't bring his people to darkness. We're not brought to the darkness of the law. We're not brought to the darkness of ourselves. We're fine. And the darkness and tempest and the sound of the trumpet and so forth. But ye are, verse 22, but ye are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable number, number of angels. 
company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. You know, just reading that, we find that that place that is mentioned originally there in that passage of Scripture, that Sinai is, is mentioned as a place of darkness. But ye are brought to, you are come to Mount Zion. Well, we find how glorious it is that the Lord would bring us to the light. He takes us from darkness to his marvelous light. He's delivered us from the power of darkness, it tells us in the book of Colossians. So we're not brought to that place of darkness. We're brought to a place of light. The Lord is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Just back up just a little bit there to the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians. And in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, we have this glorious statement about this. God's work. God's work. This is what he did for Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. This is what he does for every one of his sheep, lost sheep. He brings him to this point. Who hath delivered us. He hath delivered us from the power of darkness. No, we love darkness rather than light by nature. We're like bedbugs. Light comes on, we run. You know, that's illustrated by our first father, Adam. When God came in the cool of the evening, he ran and hid himself in the trees of the garden, among God's own creation. All right, notice this. Verse 13, Colossians chapter 1, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. The glorious light of his Son, translated into the kingdom of his dear Son. The Lord is light, and he is my salvation. And we find in James chapter 1 verse 17, he's the Father of lights. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Father of lights. It is the Lord that gives light. In fact, in the book of Revelation, twice towards the end, there in uh, Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22, and with this we'll close our study for tonight. The book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 23. Revelation chapter 21, verse 23. And I just have to be reminded as I open up this book of Revelation, the very first verse of Scripture shares us the truth about this whole book. The revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Alright, let's look at this revelation of Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 21, verse 23. And the city had no need of the sun, New Jerusalem, Neither of the moon to shine it. What's that mean? There's nothing. There's no need of physical light. This place is lit by spiritual light. We don't take the physical there. We take the spiritual. Here it goes on to say, Neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. We don't take physical light to the kingdom. It's not of meat or drink. It's of spiritual truths. And then in that same book, the last chapter, verse 22 of the book of Revelation, chapter 22 of the book of Revelation, and there in verse 5, we read this. And there shall be no light there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord giveth unto them light, 
and they shall reign forever. Now, the sun is God's creation, but that's not the light that's there. The light that's there, the light in the kingdom, the light in New Jerusalem, the light that God gives to us to enlighten us is Jesus Christ, the light, the true light that lights every one of his elect. You know, from a natural standpoint, he enlightens everybody. He gives life to everybody. Everybody that's ever been born has this life. But when it comes to spiritual things, everyone that's born again, he has given them his light, spiritual light. So, just want to return to that book of Zechariah for just a moment. There in chapter 14, verses 6 and 7, read these words one more time. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark. Why, we walked there long enough. You know, when did God save Saul of Tarsus? Doesn't tell us a month, doesn't tell us a day, doesn't tell us a season. It mentions in the book of Galatians, though, when it pleased God. That's when he was saved. That's the same thing about every one of his people. When it pleased God. And then in verse 7, But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord. He knows that day. He knows the day of our salvation. He has it marked out from eternity. When it pleased the Lord. Not day nor night. But it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. Out of darkness he calls us to his light. And then, Lord willing, next time we want to look at this 8th verse. What a glorious gospel message is here. And it shall be in that day that living water shall go out from Jerusalem. Half of them towards the former sea and half them to the hinder sea. In summer and in winter shall it be. Unchangeable living water. Doesn't matter the season. The gospel remains the same. So we'll close tonight with that verses 6 and 7 of this. Looking to him as our light. Looking to him as the only light. We have no light of our own. We're in darkness. But he is the life that gives us understanding about the Lord of glory. He is our light. And he is our salvation.